0: you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. You know, I just wanted to share this before I share the word. The Lord has really placed this on my heart. Um, Just to to pour in as to why it is that we gather, everything that we do here is about encountering Him Everything from worship to giving, it's all to lead us to to meet with Jesus. And I just want to share this as we prepare our hearts to to dive into the the Word of God, that uh, my primary position here is not to be a medium for information to be transferred to you. That's not my primary role, is to simply just fill you with knowledge, although there's certainly a place for that. And there's good things in understanding things of this word. Ultimately, my job is to be a laid-down vessel that is filled and possessed with the Spirit so that when I speak, the Spirit is released, and it ultimately will grip your heart and lead you and prime you for an encounter with Him. The whole point of us gathering here is to meet with Jesus. And so would you just, one more time, would you just pray with me that our hearts would be open, not just to be filled with knowledge, but to be ready to meet with the King. Because if you look in the scriptures, it's encounters with God that changes lives. It's encounters with God. You can have all the knowledge and walk with the Lord for year after year, but if you're not meeting with him daily and knowing who he is, you will never change. In fact, you can become very dangerous if you have all this knowledge, but you don't know him and your heart remains cold. So Father, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me, O God, to speak your word today. Lord, that you would open all of our hearts, prime all of our hearts by your Holy Spirit, just to be ready to, to meet with you, Lord. I pray, God, that your scriptures and your truth would lead us to you. Lord, we want to meet with you. We need to meet with you, Lord. And you are alive. You are here. And so, God, we, we just we come before you and say, Lord, have, have your way in here. I pray that you would breathe on this word. Breathe on me, Lord. And bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. And I have it on the screen as well if you don't have your Bible. First Kings chapter 18. I feel really strongly about this word. I'm really excited. I've kind of just jotted some things down. But ultimately, I don't know how the Lord's going to put it all together. But I know that he will. I'm learning to trust the Lord more and more as I share his word. But what I want to speak with you on is entitled The Hidden Life. The Hidden Life. And I want to just share this story. I promise I'll give you a background. It may feel like we're just kind of picking up in the middle of it those of you that are familiar with the story of Elijah you may know this a little bit more but Elijah is is a prophet in a time where Ahab and his wife the queen Jezebel are just there are are wicked leaders they've totally turned their back on the Lord and have introduced and led Israel to really just an entire state of apostasy and idolatry and God raises up Elijah and, uh, and there's a drought that takes place for three and a half years. And there's all these crazy events. I just want to share this first. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 and 2, it says this. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And in the third year, saying, go, show yourself to Ahab. And I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now, real quick, let me just kind of share with you what took place here. God releases, there was a release over Elijah's life to go and show himself before the king. And when Elijah went before the king, the king basically says, you're a troublemaker, Elijah. They were looking for him. He says, no, you're the one who's causing Israel trouble because you've turned your back on the Lord. And Elijah, look, if you know this story, if there's any scene that I could be a part of, if there's ever a moment in the Bible that maybe I could just kind of switch roles with who it is, this would probably be at the top of the list because Elijah is operating we're going to see this in this holy boldness and he says it's time that we stop wavering between two gods if God is God then let's serve him if Baal is God this false God that they worship him let's serve him he said let's do this we're going to go up to Mount Carmel and we're going to have two sacrifices of these bulls and we're going to cry out to our gods and we're going to see whoever whatever sacrifice goes on fire we know who is the true God And so these 450 prophets of Baal, they they come together and they begin to cry out. And Elijah begins to mock them. He begins to say, maybe you need to cry louder. He actually says, maybe your God has relieved himself. (laughs) Cry even louder. Maybe he's gone on a journey. And they begin to cut themselves and there's, there's nothing. There's nothing takes place. And then Elijah steps in and says, okay, now it's my turn. And he actually takes water and fills this ditch where this sacrifice is so that it's overflowing with water. And then he begins to cry out to God before all these people. If you can imagine this, you imagine this boldness, even like right here in Mastic Beach, right? People just saying God's not real and say, well, let's find out right now. And, and 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 he fills up this entire pit of water and he begins to just cry out and say, God of Abraham, Isaac. He says, you're the one true God. And he says, show them today. And as he says that, there's fire that falls on the sacrifice. And everyone there begins to recognize that Yahweh is the one true God. And not only that, then he actually begins to call out for for rain. And the three and a half year drought, it comes to an end and there begins to be this rain, this cloud that comes. And I share all that because it's an incredible scene of God using this man. I know, listen, everyone in this place, I know that you want to be used by God. Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And it's not just a regular yearning. If we're really honest with ourselves, there's an Ephesians 3.20 yearning in our heart. For God to do something more in us than we could ever imagine or ask for. We know it because it's the same spirit. I know that your heart beats like mine and say, God, I know that there's so much more that you want to do in my life. God used Elijah in incredible ways. He, he told him to go show himself before the king. But here is the, here's the key to Elijah being released to show himself. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 17, and this is where I want to speak to you on the hidden life. Verses 2 through 6, a chapter right before. Listen to this. And it says, and the word of the Lord came to him, meaning Elijah. He says, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And after this, then God sent them to a widow's house of Zarephath, of which all she had left was a jar of flour and a jug of oil. And she herself was convinced that they were going to die, her and her son. And Elijah said, no, just begin to make food. God is going to have this supernaturally provide until this drought ends. And then after that, her her son actually dies. But God gives uh, an anointing and a power to Elijah to actually raise him from the dead. Here's the point I want to make. Before God ever, ever calls Elijah to show himself before the king, He first calls him to hide himself. Listen to me. This is so important. God, there was a release over Elijah's life after he had been in a season of hiding with the Lord. Now, that's the main part I want to talk about, seasonal hiding and waiting, because everyone in here, God has tremendous plans and destiny for your life. I know that. But before God will ever release you, he is first going to call you into a season of hiding and waiting on him. Before you will ever have visibility before man, God is going to call you where only he can see you. And the question is, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful when there's no Instagram followers? When there's no hits on podcasts? When no one's visiting your website? Can you just love the Lord and be faithful in the hiding season? I believe in my heart the Lord said, this is what separates the men of God from the boys. (laughs) This is what separates the women of God from the girls. Those that are willing to be hidden with the Lord. Those that are willing to allow themselves to be taken away for a season, to wait upon God. Listen, this may look different in every one of our lives. Hiding seasons look different. God may may just bring careers to an end. I mean, I've had an extreme as I was in Teen Challenge. You want to talk about actually just being separated. But God calls us into these seasons where it just may seem like things are being shut down. We feel like we've been uh, isolated a bit. God, a lot of times I see it in seasons of trans- transition where God will just begin to weed things out. And here's what he's doing. God is separating us. He's bringing us to this place of which he can have our full attention. There's something so powerful and so beautiful and so amazing that takes place in the hiding season, in the hidden season. Where it's just us and the Lord. No more distractions because God wants our full attention. God wants us to learn to just be with him. When Elijah was in this hidden place, listen to me, when Elijah, he learned to be faithful. I don't know about you, I would love to be able to call down fire from Mount Carmel. How many would love to do that? How many would love to shut up the heavens in front of everyone and then release the heavens? But how many are willing to sit by the brook for three and a half years, just learning to trust and wait on the Lord? Elijah knew that if there was anything in him that God thought was worth revealing to man, God could do it on his own timing. He knew that if God was ready to show him, God could do it. He didn't need to force it. Oh, we live in a culture of where we want to be seen. Want to step out. I need to make a name for myself. And there's no trust in the Lord that if God wants to release us when when it's time, he will do it. Do you know that, as I said before, you can have all the followers in the world. There's nothing wrong with that. You can have people who know your name. But understand this, it does not mean that you have heaven's release over your life. I want heaven's release over my life. Heaven is waiting to make introductions of men and women. All throughout scripture you see it. Heaven is waiting to release you. But are you willing to wait on him? There's no way Elijah would have been able to withstand Mount Carmel if he did not wait upon the Lord. And I want, I believe this is a word for our body too. I believe God has called us in a season of hiding. And he's called us to be faithful. He's called us to be faithful before there's ever a platform. He's called us to be faithful before there's ever a name. Is God enough? Can we just love him for who he is? That's what he does in this season. I know I would love a calling like this. Elijah purifies the nation almost single-handedly of idolatry. It's a grassroots revival. But Elijah was willing to go where most people aren't. And in this place of hiding, Elijah learned. He learned he became accustomed to the presence of God. He became accustomed to the voice. When, when the lake, when the, when, the, when the brook dried up, the voice of the Lord came and said, now move, and he obeyed. He listened to the Lord. He learned to hear the voice of God in the seasons of hiding. He learned to be dependent on God. He learned to be hungry for the provision of God. He learned to see the power of God. Before God ever sent him to minister to the crowds, he was first ministering to this one woman, a Gentile woman. And he was faithful in that place with the assignment that God had given him. It's in the seasons of hiding in our life. It's in the seasons of waiting that God begins to form us. This is what he spoke in my heart. He he begins to form us. If you feel like you're in a season personally of waiting, of hiddenness, you say, I have so much to offer, though. God's given me gifts. I'm sure he has. But in due time, he will release you. But can you learn to love him just right now? God said over Jacob, he prophesied through Isaiah. He said, Jacob, uh, Jacob I, I, I created but uh, Israel I formed. Jacob I created, but Israel I formed. God forms us. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel had to be formed. We are being formed. And it's in the places of hiddenness. And listen to me, this is not just a seasonal thing too. The Lord really spoke to me. This is a lifestyle that God calls us to live. I believe this is a prophetic picture of a lifestyle of hiddenness and then showing ourselves. Every single day, God calls us to be in the hiding place with him. God is looking for men and women who are willing to make history with him in the hiding place. When no one sees them, it's in that private place where we begin to have a, a, a communion with God that gives us something to speak when he releases us into the public place. I believe in this, uh, <laughs> the Lord was, was causing or really transforming Elijah to actually not just have a message, but to become a message. You see, this is so different. This has been something in my heart that the Lord is dealing with. Listen, it's, it's, it's okay to imitate. <laughs> I see men, men of God that I really look up to, and there's, a, there's a, a part of imitation because I want what they have, and I believe that's okay for a season of immaturity. <laughs> But eventually, God is not just looking for us to be imitators. This is it. God is not just looking for echoes. An echo is one that repeats what they have heard. God is looking for voices. Ones that have walked through it themselves. Ones that have tasted and seen God themselves. Do you know what it says about John the Baptist? It says he was a voice crying out in the wilderness. Because John himself had been with the Lord. Look, there's nothing wrong, I do it all the time, of listening to our, our YouTube sermons and whatnot, but ultimately, God wants to reveal something to us personally. God wants to release us out of a season of hiding, of which we are not just sharing a message, but we are the message. We have seen and tasted him, and therefore, when we go, we have been so transformed. We are literally a burning light, as it was for John. In this place of of hiddenness, let me tell you, one of the most important things that God does, every time God calls us to come away, it's for a very specific purpose. And the greatest privilege of it all is a deeper revelation of himself. That's what we need. When God, when when Jesus was walking, uh, when Jesus went to Mount of Transfiguration, many of you may know this story, everyone that followed Jesus had a measure of understanding and revelation of Jesus. But then he calls Peter, James, and John to come away with him to the mount. And what did he do there? He gave a deeper revelation of himself. Every time God calls us to separation, it's for revelation. Every single time. Jesus taught that when we pray, you should go in your inner chamber, your prayer closet, shut the door, and your father who sees what is done in secret, hiddenness, will reward you. What reward is that? God himself. There is no greater reward. God is calling us to come away with him, to be with him. And sometimes there's these extended seasons of that because he wants to reveal more of himself. And in this season of my life, I'm experiencing that. There has been so much kicking and screaming more than you would like to even know about. And God, but now I'm realizing how beautiful it is of what God is doing because I'm learning who he is. I'm learning to be provided by him and him alone. I'm learning to hear his voice. I'm learning to be accustomed with his presence. And there's no greater place than, than to be there. Paul said this. Paul said it in Galatians, he said, when I received the gospel, I didn't, I didn't consult flesh and blood. What he say? He said, I went away for a season. <laughs> I went to the desert. I received personal revelation of the gospel from Jesus himself. Listen to me. When, when I hear a word from someone that's really good, that, that's awesome. It's great to have pastors and teachers. But know this. You can be shaken by that. There is something so different when God himself reveals something to you. (laughs) I come out of those hidden places sometimes every day saying, Crystal, look at this. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. She's like, I learned that in second grade. No, but do you see it? God so loved the world because God has revealed something to me. It, It just bypasses everything and just is implanted in the heart. God wants to reveal things to you in the hidden place. I honestly believe, well, I should, say, I, I should say, I don't really know. This is just my thought. But I wonder, you know that when Satan came to tempt um, Adam and Eve, he tempted Eve. And no, it's not because she's a woman, man, because my wife has carried me many times. It has nothing to do with it. I believe, or at least I, I, I wonder about this, that when Satan came, or, or when first, when God came and said you should not eat of this tree, He spoke it to Adam. Eve wasn't even born yet, or formed yet. And then, when the serpent came, He comes to Eve and tempts her. And I've always wondered, perhaps that's because Adam had received the word from God Himself, but Eve had received it secondhand from Adam. And because it was received secondhand, it was easier to be shaken. Because there's something when God speaks a personal word right into your heart. He wants to reveal the hidden treasures of who he is to you. Every single one of us. There's no one exempt. As, as just as much as you, as you have been called to salvation, you have been called to the riches of God. In the beautiful communion with him, there's no one exempt. And God wants to reveal himself. This is what our hearts long for. So many times we're so busy in church activity wondering, why am I still empty? Why do I still feel restless as ever before? Because it's simple. Jesus says, I'm life. And as great as all these activities are, it's me who's life. And if you're not communing with me, you have no life. And so we can be busy running around doing all these things, but we need we need him. Elijah was willing to go where no one else was willing to go. Are we willing to wait upon the Lord as a body? Are you willing to wait upon the Lord in your own personal season? Are you willing to be faithful in the hidden season? Listen, by the world's standards, Elijah was a failure. I wonder if that ran through his mind. I'm a prophet. I'm a man of God. I've been called to speak to the nations. What business do I have being by this brook? Alone, day after day after day. But again, Elijah knew that if there's anything in him that God wanted to reveal, God could do it. Could we wait upon the Lord? Could we trust in the Lord? Could we not jump ahead? I, oh, man, I, I believe we have a culture of which everyone wants to go show themselves. As if we have something to share if we haven't been with him. What do I have to speak to you about if I haven't been with him? I speak by my seeing. If I'm not continually seeing him, again, I'm just beginning to share facts of someone I don't even know. God has called us to be with him. That's where the message is, begins to burn in our hearts Elijah didn't have to struggle to be seen by men. He didn't know how long he would be there. God never said you're going to be here for three and a half years, but he waited faithfully. He waited faithfully on the Lord. And as I shared before, I believe this is a, not just a picture of a season of preparing us for our, our promises and our callings, but I believe it's also a daily lifestyle. There's a man by the name of Brian Garen. Caesar reminded me of this from Jesus Conference he had said this, he, uh, he was a contractor who built homes and he says, when it comes to decorating a home, and I didn't realize this, he said, interesting, really what everything builds around is the carpet. He said, the carpet comes first when you do these high-end homes and everything has to match that. He says, but interesting, when you walk in a house, the carpet's one of the last things you ever see. And it's often even tucked away under things. He says, that's the hidden place. He says, no one sees that communion between you and the Lord. But understand this, everything is built around that. Everything is built around the hidden place with him. Men that are faithful. Faithful to the Lord when no one can see them. John the Baptist. Mark chapter 1 verse 4. I shared how he was a voice. And he wasn't just an echo. But listen to this. Mark chapter 1 verse 4. You can look upon the screen as well. It says this. And so... John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John had an appearance. John became visible before men. But before he was ever visible before man, God was, uh, John was faithful in a hiding season with the Lord. For John to appear, it means that John was somewhere before And where was he? Faithfully in a place of embracing hiddenness and waiting upon God, knowing that when the time was right, God would release John. And when he released him, the scriptures say that he was a burning light amongst those that he walked. A burning light, because he had been with him. And when he was released, he didn't come in fashion. (laughs) It says he wore camel's hair and ate a really strange diet. (laughs) But you know what I love? It says all of Judea and Jerusalem came. I wonder, where does that fit on church growth strategy today? There's nothing wrong with being fashionable. There's nothing wrong with having things. But understand this. There is a whole other way of doing this, of resting in the Lord. You can't manufacture what John did. You can't just have a touch. John, John paid the price for this. John, again, was willing, like Elijah, to go somewhere where many people weren't willing to go. He was willing to be in that place of hiddenness and waiting. And when John was released, there didn't need to be any specific programs and procedures and pathways. It was just a man that had been faithful to the Lord and was burning with Jesus inside of his heart. And God began to release him and show him, give him a public stage, and people from all over began to come because he was faithful in the hiding place. The Lord spoke this to me personally, and I just want to share it with you. The Lord said that I have oftentimes been hesitant to offer him my full devotion because I've been waiting for the showing. I say, Lord, I'll be, I'll be faithful to you. I'll serve you, Lord. I'll give you everything, God, once you release me to what you've promised. And in that, I've seen that the Lord has shown me that I've placed other things above Him. But once more, can, can we be faithful before that, that promise is ever released in our life, before that calling is ever released, before God ever does the things that we have asked Him? Can we be faithful by the brook? Can we just be faithful in that season of waiting? When we rush ahead, we show how deeply dissatisfied we are with God himself. And that's what I've seen in my life. But the Lord is so good, so good to reveal that. And he's coming to, remember what I said, he's purifying the hearts of his bride here. You see, the rushing ahead, the wanting to go into everything that God has said, it just reveals, it just reveals that we're saying, God, we're not content with you and you alone. There was something about the heart of John. There was something about the heart of Elijah this pure heart, this pure heart that just loved him. I don't need anything from you, God. I don't need you to do anything in my life for me to start worshiping you. I don't need any, for you to do anything in my life for me to start being faithful, for me to start spending time with you, Lord. I just love you for who you are, God. There's the power of, of this waiting season of being with the Lord. The Lord also spoke to me. How many of you know the story of Abraham and Sarah and having their miracle child of Isaac? They didn't believe that the Lord would be able to do what he had promised. And so they had rushed ahead. And Sarah told Abraham, here, take my servant, Hagar, and have a child with him, Ishmael. The Lord has been just speaking to me on waiting upon the Lord to avoid birthing Ishmael's. Because when you birth Ishmael's, you have to take care of it yourself. But when you birth Isaac's, the Lord, the Lord holds that in his hand. That's the promise of God. God is calling us as a body and as you personally to wait upon him. And to allow his promise to be birthed in you, to not move past that. Psalm 25, 1 through 3, I'll just read this to you. Speaking of waiting, it says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. In these seasons of waiting, the psalm says, no one who waits upon the Lord will be put to shame. I love what Eric Gilmore said. He said this. He said, the reason why the waiting life will never be put to shame is because God himself is your teacher in those seasons. When you wait upon the Lord, when you allow yourself to be hidden, God himself becomes your teacher. Listen to me. In in, in the hidden place, in the hidden life, in the waiting season, you learn things that you can't learn in seminary. You learn things that you can't find on a Sunday service. Eric also said this. There are, th- there are things that, as I said before, separation leads to a deeper revelation. There's things that God wants to reveal of himself to you that he will not do in public. And he gave this picture. He says there are things that a husband and wife will do in private that they won't do in public. Likewise, there are things that God wants to show you, speak to you, reveal of himself, that will only take place in the hiddenness. And so he calls us to embrace this place. To see the beauty of it. If you find yourself there, just know that Lord has stripped things away. He's, he's quieting your life because he wants your attention. He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to get accustomed to depending on him. Be accustomed to depending on his provision. The waiting purifies the heart. It says over and over in scriptures that when we wait on the Lord that our strength is renewed. Why is that? Because it's in the waiting that our own initiative is put to death. It's in the waiting where all of our ambitions and all the things that we think will actually make a difference, they begin to die as we wait upon the Lord. Listen to me, nothing that is birth of the flesh can produce life. It's only that which is birth from the Spirit and has God's heart. That's why we have to be with Him and wait upon Him for His releasing. He told the church of Sardis what? He says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are actually dead. You have an appearance. You have a large gathering perhaps. Many people speak highly of you. Many things are going on that everyone say that's the place you need to be. But your works have been birthed out of human wisdom and human initiation. But it's in the waiting where God strips that of us, purifies our hearts so that the only longing of our heart is for God to have his way in our life. And that which God births is birth of the Spirit and will produce life. Jesus says, I do nothing of my own initiative. I do only what I see my Father doing. God wants to purify our hearts and not just be a people that jump ahead and show ourselves, but God says, will you be faithful to come away with me for seasons and daily just to be with me, that I can purify you in that waiting. And then when I release you, oh, there's going to be great fruit that comes from that. Genesis chapter 11 is the uh, picture of the Tower of Babel. I was reading it this week. Right after the Noah's flood, it was this strange scene that takes place where basically men come together. Everyone speaks the same language at this point, And they come together to build this tower. And God sees what's happening. Listen to what it says. It says in verse 4, as, as men, right after the flood of Noah and, and the earth begins to be repopu, uh, repopulated, it says this, verse 4, Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. And the Lord said, Andrew, their aspirations were good. Their desire was good. They desired to touch the heavens. They desired for their work to touch the heavens. But the very next verse says this, so that we may make a name for ourselves. When we just go and show ourselves, this is what happens. We go to to build things and use the name of Jesus as a platform for ourselves. My goodness, I'm so grateful that God has called me into this season because He's revealing how much of me was driving all of this. But he's purifying hearts in the waiting so that we say, Lord, may you build something in my life, but may it be for your glory and your namesake, God. That when they see what you're doing in my life, God, they would point to you. That's what John's, when John came, everything about John the Baptist was just humility. Even his message, he says, don't look at me. There's one greater coming after me. I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. I'm not even worthy to perform the task of a slave on him. There was no message of look at me and guess what? Everyone came because why? When you lift up the name of Jesus, it's magnetic when the presence of God is what is prioritized in a place. That's why that's, that's what we're about here. Because I know as we just continue to lift him up, he draws hearts to himself. Here's the last thing I just want to share with you. Especially in, in seasons of hiding and seasons of waiting. It is a breeding ground for spiritual warfare. Jesus listen to me. Jesus John the Baptist went through hiding. Elijah did. I could go through example of no one receives a promise and a calling and steps into it. Everyone has to first go through a hiding season, a waiting season, some call it a wilderness season, but God does something so beautiful in the heart of man when he when he calls us there. And Jesus himself after he was baptized was led into the wilderness. He didn't just step right into public ministry. He was first led into this place of hiding. And what took place there? He had an encounter with the, the devil himself. Listen to me. I believe this, this is what the Lord has shown me. I just want to crush the lies of the enemy that have nearly, listen, I've, I've nearly quit because I thought I was a failure. I thought that me being in a season of waiting meant that I wasn't doing what God had for me. It's gone beyond quitting. I didn't, there were points in my life where I honestly didn't know if I wanted to keep living. I was so convinced that I had failed God, and I heard the voice speaking over me You failed, you failed. You're a disappointment to God because you're not walking in the things that He's promised you. But listen to me, your hiding season, your waiting season, it's not punishment. You haven't failed. God is preparing you and equipping you. And he's calling you to himself because he loves you. And he's asking, will you trust and wait upon him? He says in Hosea chapter 2, listen to this about the wilderness. Verse 14, he says, therefore, I'm now going to allure her. He's talking about Israel. I'm going to allure her. Where? I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. That's incredible. He says, I'm going to actually woo her back to this place where she won't be distracted anymore because I want her so bad. I want these people. There I will give her back her vineyards. It speaks of fruitfulness that will blossom from this place when we're faithful. And will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth. As in the day she came up out of Egypt. Listen to this. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. Man, God takes us from seeing him as a master to a husband. To the deepest intimacy in the places of hiding. And this is, what, this is what's prioritized above everything else is union with, with God. And how did Jesus go into the state of wilderness and hiding? It says he was led by the Spirit. Listen to me. This is Lord, the, the Lord's the Father. The Father knew the battleground that would take place in the hiding season. He led him there by the Spirit. But what does it say when Jesus was faithful and left? He was led in by the Spirit. But when he came out, he was empowered by the Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit. And here's the other thing the Lord showed me. Up until this hiding season for Jesus, publicly, he was primarily known, his identity, as a carpenter. But if you know anything about the attacks of Satan in that, in that hiding season, it was an attack on his identity as the Son of God. He was let in as a, son of a, as a carpenter, and it was in the hiding season where God was forming him as the Son of God. God calls us into hiding to refine us and bring us into this place and this awareness of us as sons and daughters of God. It's the greatest thing that could take place. It's in these places. That's why I realized I've identified myself as so many things, but in the hiding, God is stripping all of that away so that what I'm being most identified with, what drives me now is the fact that I'm a child of God. And that's what he wants to do above everything else. I just believe God has spoken this, again, not just for our body. As a whole, but I believe personally, individually, that there are things that God has whispered to you, things that He wants to do in your life. And there's been such confusion as to what's taking place. You feel so far from what God has spoken over your life. But understand this what you're in right now is not an accident. And you're not being punished, and you're not a failure. But it's your loving Father that's stripping all distractions away because he knows how easily we we start to look around to other things. And he brings us to this secret place with him. And he tells us just to sit by the brook and learn to hear his voice and learn to trust him. And then when the timing is right, God will release. God will release. But can we be faithful? And there's no one watching. Because understand this, even though man may not see you, when God calls you in seasons of hiding, understand this, your father sees you. And he's a rewarder of faithfulness. And I felt in my heart that God wanted to release He wanted to release this call of being faithful to him right now in this season of allowing his work to be done in the waiting season of seeing of seeing it for what it is of destroying every life of the enemy and allowing you to embrace what he's doing in your life right now I believe it in my heart he has such incredible things for each and every one here but I hear his voice today as he spoke to me Andrew home church are you willing to come and hide yourself by the brook are you willing to walk with me not knowing how long am I enough for you what if I never released you would just loving me be enough I have found that I am most content when I can say yes to that question When I can truly say in my heart, Jesus, you are enough. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.